Central bank digital currency is coming. There's not much that you can do to prevent that. The technocrats and the elite have already paved the path forward. And my guest today is going to talk about the practical steps that you can at least take to protect yourself and your family in the future. If there's any episode you're going to want to hit the share button on or send a text message to your friend and say, listen to this, this is that episode. Ladies and gentlemen, sit back, grab yourself a cup of coffee or whatever it is that you're into. You're listening to America Emboldened with Greg Bolden here on the America Out Loud Network. America Emboldened. Greg, I feel emboldened. You don't know the founding fathers. You don't know what they did. You don't know what they sacrificed. We have lost touch with the principles in the Constitution. Nobody's read the Declaration of Independence. You are voting for socialism, and you got what you voted for. Welcome, bold Americans, to another episode of America Emboldened. I'm your host, Greg Bolden, here on the America Out Loud Network. As always, go to the www.americaoutloud.com or .news, where you can see all of my colleagues' work and check out the great America First content that's coming to you every single day through this network, as well as through the 24-7 talk radio app that's available on all of your favorite app devices, whether that's your Apple podcast store, or Apple iTunes store, or your Android devices, just type in America Out Loud. You can download that and listen to all your favorite podcasts, as well as the talk radio that is streaming right now as you're listening to this. There's always a show on for that. Now, today, I promised you yesterday on the show that I had a presidential candidate coming onto the show. And this is actually uh, a guest that was on just two weeks ago with me talking about humanity for peace. His name is Aaron Day. Now, Aaron is running for president of the United States under the Republican ticket. Uh, he's an entrepreneur, he's an investor, and he is an advisor with 30 years of experience in diverse industries, including e-commerce, healthcare, blockchain, and cryptocurrency, AI, and clean technology. In 2008, he became politically active when his successful healthcare company was destroyed by government regulations, which included Obamacare and the Dodd-Frank Act, as well as the AG. So I wanted to bring Aaron on to talk about the issues because he's also on the forefront on Twitter of talking about central bank digital currency, which I think is the largest threat to our sovereign state, as well as the largest threat to global security across uh, ever in the history of mankind. This is a global takeover of your rights. Once central bank digital currency rolls out, you've heard me say on this show before, you will not have any type of freedom that you have right now. They want to make sure that you can't fill up your car with gasoline. Guess what? They are going to shut down your ability to do so. But you need to understand blockchain and cryptocurrency. You need somebody to understand how this stuff has worked in the past. What is cryptocurrency? A lot of my listeners are still confused about this. So I want to get into the issues of today and also CBDCs as well with Aaron. So Aaron, welcome back to America Emboldened. Thank you for having me back. And that was a great introduction that, that like leads directly into my book. I mean, that's pretty much my my main focus is, is stopping CBDCs, which is, as you said, it's the number one threat to global tyranny, and it will be here before the next election. So I'm not running on this as a, if you elect me, I'll fix it. If we don't stop this before the next election, we won't be able to stop it. So you running for president right now, it's about putting your voice out there to try to warn people that time is now, not the 2024 election. This isn't time to put a referendum when you elect the next president. We need to have the conversations now. And you are trying to force that issue into the Republican Party and all the other parties. Is that correct? Yes, I'm trying to force the issue immediately. And and it's voting isn't going to be what fixes it. It's not even about a 2024 issue. And I'm not even here to say, call your congressman. This is actually going to come down to direct non-compliance by we the people to stop this it's when i i've been in crypto since 2012 so i actually got my first bitcoin in 2012 i've actually been using cryptocurrency in political campaigns and super PACs since 2014 and in 2019 actually i exited politics entirely i gave up on politics in 2018 and moved 100 into crypto i mean i i literally i saw what was coming 
you know, was living in a 6,000 square foot house, downsized everything, everything I own fits into two suitcases, went all into crypto and was going to focus on non-political activities. What can we do to separate money and state and to find alternatives, seeing kind of what was happening with uh, the growth of government, particularly after COVID tyranny, and in particular, this uh, acceleration of CBDCs. And I wrote a book called The Final Countdown. Uh, to basically explain what's going on with CBDCs, where they come from, the fact that this is part of a larger globalist agenda, uh, as you said at the very beginning, uh, you know, regarding well, if you, they'll shut off your ability to buy gas, they'll shut off everything. I mean, really, at the heart of this, central bank digital currency leads to a social credit system, and then vaccine passports and digital IDs, and the vision for. The United Nations and the WEF and other groups is to create a one world technocracy where elites pick scientists and engineers to make decisions for everybody on a top down basis. This has been something that they've been, they've been working on for 100 years. If you if you go back to the mm -hmm. founding of the U.N., Julian Huxley, who is the brother of Aldous Huxley, who wrote Brave New World, Brave New World is really uh, Aldous Huxley writing his dystopian take on what his brother wanted to do at the UN in terms of his brother was outspoken about one world government. His brother was a well-known eugenicist. And so, so this is something that they're in the final stages of, and we have to stop and address now, not again at the voting booth or next year. And, and all this uh, Huxley also was somebody um, who, and Julian Huxley, they believe in transhumanism, which is also largely in the headlines right now. You have people like Elon Musk with the neurochip. Uh, you have people like uh, Mark Zuckerberg. All, all the tech industry right now seems to want to move us to this transhumanism agenda, as well as, and this is where it ties to the central bank digital currency, you have uh, supermarkets like Whole Foods that are asking people to do scans of their hands to get biometrics. Uh, we just have uh, the eye biometric that was linked to a cryptocurrency that I believe it was Nigeria said, nope, not in our country. You're not doing that. Taking people's retinal scans the tie it to blockchain. But all of this is to a transhumanist agenda. All of this is, I believe, a test and control in order to get people logged into the system. Once they're in the system, there is no getting out of that system. It's kind of like uh, I made that ultimate mistake in hindsight of doing my DNA test, yep. you know, I, I saw all the fine print and I was like, oh yeah, sure. I just want to know like what my actual heritage is. I just want to know all this. And now looking back, it is probably the stupidest decision that I made uh, in my family's life because my personal details are all out there. And the same thing with biometrics and uh, central bank digital currency, a social credit score, your personal details are going to be tied to everything. Can you explain to my listeners how social media, how your social credit scores, how your biometrics and blockchain cryptocurrency all can work together in order to control your life. I know that's a large topic, but I know you can do it. It's a large topic. And I've got a couple of chapters about that in my book. Uh, and one place to start to look at this is what they have in China right now. China has been testing social credit scores. They're, they're ahead of the curve on this in a big way. And they don't have a nationally rolled out social credit score. They do it on a province by province basis, uh, but they certainly are planning to roll it all out nationally. And they basically are tracking in China, every aspect of your life. They have 626 million security cameras in China. They are, if you go in and out of your province or out of your neighborhood, there's facial recognition and, and scans. When you go into the grocery store, they're tracking what you put in the shopping cart, not, not even just what you buy, but I mean, if you put two bottles of alcohol in and then you decide to take one out, they'll punish you for the intent. They actually, I had a friend that visited China and, and they actually allocate toilet paper squares that you can use in public restrooms. Like the level of detail here. Cheryl Crow, wasn't she the, the American who, uh, musician that said, you should be able to wipe your butt with one square of toilet paper. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, 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 yeah, and they, oh per day, God. I mean, per day. I mean, they put a cap on it per day. So already in China, they will reward you for joining the military. They will reward you for saying positive things about the government. They'll reward you if you see your elderly parents enough times. They will punish you heavily for 
um, anything related to not paying your taxes or speaking out against the government, that goes even harder against your credit score. So they already have these credit tiers, um, kind of like what we have with the credit system here in the United States, 700 to 800, 600, 700. They have slightly different scales. But as you move down the scales, you what you find is at the lowest level, when you're basically blacklisted, which there are over 23 million people today in China blacklisted, they cut off your access to healthcare, transportation, educational services. It determines where you can live. It determines your the speed of your internet access. And so there are already 23 million people blacklisted. And obviously, central bank digital currency is the, the, the primary gateway to all of this. And it's the mechanism that they can use to punish or reward you with the most immediate severity. And so China has already developed this system going all the way back to 2014. And by the end of this year, the entire country will be on CBDC. 261 million people were on CBDC at the beginning of the year. It will be the entire country by the end of the year. So this is really the model. But if you want to understand the intent of what they want to track, you have to look at the UN 2030 Sustainable Development Goals. There are 17 sustainable development goals. And it includes everything from diversity and inclusion to what you eat, to where you live. It, it includes monitoring and managing the land, the air and the sea, literally every aspect of your life, poverty, um, education, healthcare, everything is controlled in, and outlined in these 17 sustainable development goals. And the UN has even stated that CBDC is crucial for the implementation of these 17 sustainable development goals. So when you think about what does the future look like, and by the way, from their perspective, their view is they believe they're being progressive. They believe mm -hmm. as being progressive that you can perfect man by integrating man with technology. So from their perspective, at least the way they sell it internally is they're going to create a perfect man. And you will see these conversations from people like Yuval Harari and others who will say, we are looking at the end of free will. They are literally talking about creating an intentional religion to get people to believe in a manufactured AI based religion. And so I'm not saying this, these are not conspiracy theories. These are out in the public. You can look on YouTube and you can see Yuval Harari talk about this. There are video clips. They post this stuff publicly. They're not even hiding this at this point. So their viewpoint is they're going to perfect humanity. They're going to be God. They're going to construct God. And that the best way to do this isn't by people voting. It isn't by the free markets. It isn't by individuals exercising their free will and coming up with creative things on their own. It is controlled from the top down by scientists and engineers who in their mind are the only ones capable of making these kinds of decisions for society. And you can see this technocratic influence even in things like COVID policy. Uh, this yeah. doctor recently that refuses to go on to Joe Rogan and debate RFK yeah. about Peter the Hotez. vaccines. Yep. Hotez, yeah. So you'll see Hotez and all of these articles written about basically, I'm a scientist, I'm an expert, I am not going to demean myself <laughs> by engaging in an open debate. They don't believe they're actually subject to open debate. They don't believe in open debate. That's how top-down works. That's how technocracy works. And so this is something that as I talk to people, people will look at COVID and say, oh, well, this was just a fluke. This was botched. This was something that, this was greed. But until you understand that there is a progressive one world agenda, that is moving at a fast pace, you'll keep missing the point. And the problem is, you know, you see things like people are saying, well, let's fire Fauci, let's prosecute Fauci. Fauci is like four levels down in the hierarchy. You get rid of Fauci, they just replace Fauci. Fauci is not, is not one of the top people in this. This is a top-down driven situation. And so one concern is you get rid of one of these bureaucrats and people think that the problem has been solved and, it, and it's not. These are very, these people can be substituted very quickly and the agenda moves forward. As an example, with COVID, you would think with everything that we're seeing now about all-cause mortality being the highest it's ever been in mm -hmm. recorded history. I saw something yesterday where you know, some doctor estimated 20 million deaths globally related to, to this vaccine. 
you'd think they'd slow down on on vaccines. And instead, the World Health Organization is working on vaccine passports and a global pandemic response. So by 2025, we're looking at global vaccine passports. And by 2024, we're looking at a coordinated global response to future pandemics. And Biden has has expressed his approval for both of those initiatives. So one thing that I try to stress to people is this isn't even about an election in the United States of Republicans versus Democrats. The truth is the United States has been infiltrated for the last 50 years on this global agenda. For instance, when you look at the WEF and their Young Leaders Program, they have been grooming people all over the world for government, whether it's Trudeau in Canada or, I mean, even people like, you know, yeah, Tulsi I, Gabbard and, and. Well, they, they have a section on their website and I've talked about this on my show. So my listeners are, are very familiar with it. Uh, they have a section for sports athletes, for influencers. They have a section for politicians. They have a section for actors in Hollywood. I mean, they have a plan in order to infiltrate at every level of life in order to influence people's thoughts on these topics. Joe Biden's build back better. That phrase in of itself was a WEF phrase that he used for his campaign. It was right there in front of everybody to know that there's a globalist agenda tied to your president. That, that's absolutely true. And there are 1,000 member companies that are part of the WEF. Just the top 10 have a combined market cap of $8.8 trillion and employ 5.8 million people. So if you want to think about the size and the scale of who's working on this agenda. This is a massive, coordinated, well-funded effort. In fact, if you look at the UN, the WEF, the IMF, the World Bank, um, those organizations combined employ 65,000 people and have an annual budget of $35 billion. So when so, so so this is what you have to look at when you consider. So right. they're moving on a one-world government. We're sitting here. One of the problems that, that we have, and I've I, I'm a liberty Republican. If anything, I've been kind of a libertarian in the past. And and I'm in New Hampshire, where we have a live free or die is our, our, our motto. And we have probably the most libertarian state in the country. But even with that, I'll say one of the things that frustrates me is in New Hampshire, people seem to think that politics is grassroots from the bottom up. And it's not. That's probably the biggest concern that I have is that we are dealing with something that is that's top down, not even out of DC. This is something that's coordinated behind the scenes on a, on a global basis. And so we have to address this, not through the ballot box in the United States, but through our own behavior, because boycotts work. We've seen the boycotts with Bud Light. We've seen the boycotts with Target. And, and even initially with Wall Street bets and the whole movement with GameStop right. and AMC, we've the, seen what happens- Yep. Yeah, the eight movement. We've seen what happens that that can work. And that wasn't particularly organized. But to me, I'm less concerned about who's selling beer. Um, and I'm more concerned about stopping CBDC, halting World War, you know, stopping World War Three and, and ending the Fed. And, and that can be done by what I used to call a bank run. I'm now I've rebranded it fiat exit or fixed it. But basically, but basically by, by people exchanging their dollars for self-custody alternatives, whether that's gold, crypto, silver, I don't care which way you go with that. I've, I've written a book right. and I explain, I give a framework for how to look at that. But the important part is to get out of the dollar because it's the dollar that's going to be converted to CBDC. And the dollar is in the middle of a collapse right now, uh, a very accelerating collapse, in fact. And so if just 3% of us move out of the dollar into these self-custody alternatives, that can halt the existing system. And then we can, we can move forward from there. And that's actually the thrust of my campaign and the, the number one issue that I'm trying to bring awareness to with this campaign. All right. So let's, let's talk about that. We're, we got to take a quick break here, um, but let's come back and talk about the investment, how to get out of the dollar how to protect yourself against what's coming. Is there protection? I'm going to share. I, I had a guest on the show a while back uh, who goes by the uneducated economist. His name's Simon. He does as a YouTube channel. He does an awesome job, but he told me how they would roll out central bank digital currencies. I want to give you some of his take, have you react to it. Uh, in the meantime, my listeners, uh, you can purchase on Amazon or wherever you get your books right now, The Final Countdown, Crypto, Gold, Silver, and the People's Last Stand Against Tyranny by Central Bank Digital Currencies, which was written by Aaron Day, who I have on the show right now. Paperback's $15.99 right now, hardcover $24.99. And the reason why I'm pointing out the prices here, Aaron's not going to get rich off the sale of this book. 
no one in 2024 or 2023 becomes a millionaire because you're buying their books. All right. Books are written to share knowledge and Aaron has shared this knowledge. So I highly recommend you go out and you purchase it. I'm purchasing it at the end of the show myself so I can read it. I have not read it yet, but I will be purchasing to read too. And we can further as a audience together uh, talk about this. So I'm excited about it. We'll be right back, everybody. Make sure you check out americaoutloud.com where you can check out all of our sponsors that help make this show as well as the network at Powered. Go purchase some things from them because that helps keep the lights on for my show and all the others. Right back. You're listening to America Emboldened with Greg Bolden, my special guest, Aaron Day, here on the America Out Loud Network. We are the pulse and voice of everyday American thought. AmericaOutloud.news, delivering a message of truth, inspiration, and hope to the world. Here we take on the challenges of our generation so that we can preserve future generations. Join us in the fight for liberty and justice for all. America Out Loud Talk Radio. For 25 years, Global Healing has proudly produced the highest quality supplements and cleansing programs that are rooted in nature and backed by science. Get 15% off all of our products using code OUTLOUD. Global Healing, giving you the power to take control of your health naturally. Cofix RX Nasal Solution has completed the circle and is now offering throat spray with povidone iodine. That completes the protocol doctors like Peter McCullough recommend. If staying healthy is important, you'll want to make sure to add throat spray to your next order of Cofix RX. For a limited time and exclusive for America Out Loud listeners only, you can save 25% off your entire order. Let's double down against colds, flus, strep, RSV, HRV, COVID, and more. Click the banner or go to America Out Loud shop to get 25% off your entire order. Use coupon code OUTLOUD25. That's coupon code OUTLOUD25. Welcome back. Bold American second half of the show here with my guest, Aaron Day, talking about the central bank digital currency tyranny that's about to hit the United States like a tsunami wave that people like myself are trying to tell you it's coming, trying to get the guest on the show like Aaron to let you know what's happening. But yet people still say, well, Greg, that's a conspiracy theory. I want you to uh, do me a favor. If you want to write my show off as a conspiracy theory, I want you to go to the 17 goals, which is the sdgs.un.org backslash goals, and it shows those sustainable goals. And then think about the world that we live in. When we talk about gender equality, think about ESG ratings. I just did a show on that back in June. Think about our education system. Think about your health and your well-being in the pharmaceutical industry. Think about poverty. Think about hunger. Then I want you to look at all these goals, and I want you to see how the UN seems to be planning all of this and having an agenda to fix the world's problems, which sounds a lot like communism to me. It sounds a lot like a Marxist agenda. On top of that, I reported back in December of last year that the FedNow program was in testing. I listed all of the banks for you, so that way you would know if your bank was one of the ones that was participating in the monitoring of all of your transactions. I also educated you on the Dodd-Frank Act and what that meant for the monitoring of what you were already purchasing with MasterCard and Visa and what they were monitoring already on a uh, carbon system, credit system. It wasn't just about the documentation, the Dodd-Frank Act. It was about so much more. And so here we are now talking to Aaron about central bank digital currency. He's telling us the tsunami is offshore. We can see it from where we're standing. There's no waiting until 2024 to address this issue. So now we need immediate responses. We have people like Catherine Austin Fitz, who I've played on the show before, telling you that you need to boycott, right? and use cash only on Fridays. Apparently that's not enough. We didn't hit enough of the population for that. So Aaron, 
what is it going to take to try to maintain our liberty and to hold the tsunami back? What can Americans start doing right now? Well, I, I cover this in the book in detail. The reason that I wrote the book, so I actually started with this concept of a, of a bank run in October of last year. I've been talking about it for three years. And then in October of last year, I was kind of like, all right, I think I'm going to formalize this. And then as I did more research, I realized this is accelerating so rapidly that you know I decided, all right, I'm going to formalize this in a book. And then I'm actually going to run for president to make sure to bring awareness. Because if you had asked me in October, I would have told you we had one to three years to stop CBDC. After doing the research for the book, and after it's not just the research for the book, I've been living off of crypto since 2019. So I've been in cryptocurrency since 2012. I have been following the development of this space from the very beginning. And the state that I'm in, New Hampshire, is really on the cutting edge for cryptocurrency. We have the highest per capita use of crypto in the world here. Mm -hmm. And there are several businesses and ATMs that have been accepting cryptocurrency for you know eight years, 10 years. And what I started to witness was I have a friend who's looking at 70 years in prison for selling Bitcoin for cash. The feds raided his house. The FBI broke down his door. There were five government agencies. He has, has gone through absolute hell in this process dealing with the federal government. And it's an ongoing process. I have another friend uh, who created Library or Odyssey. You may be familiar with that. It's a YouTube alternative, decentralized YouTube alternative. The SEC targeted his business and basically put him out of business after five years of litigation. So what I became alarmed about, and what I document in the book are several things kind of simultaneously. The first that I want to talk about is since we've been born and since everybody in your audience has been born, unless they were born, you know, before, you know, 1923 or so, 13, the, the dollar has been the global reserve currency. So for most of us, our entire lives, we've never thought one way or the other about, we've just accepted and assumed that the dollar is the global reserve currency, always has been. We don't really think about what happened 100 years ago and always will be just because that's kind of the, 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 the attitude that you have when, when something like that is that just kind of prevalent and in the background. Well, the truth is the last five global reserve currencies only lasted 94 years. And ours has lasted 103 years. So from a historical perspective, before the dollar, you had the pound. And before that, you had the Dutch currency. And then before that, you had French currency and then uh, Spanish currency, Portuguese currency. And those global reserve currencies lasted, again, on average, 94 years. The dollar is losing its global reserve status. So the dollar was used in over 80% of international trade in the 1980s. It's now down to 58 percent. And what you're seeing is now the emergence of the BRICS nations, Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa, and now 20 or so other countries. Correct. South America has jumped in. South America, the UAE, Saudi Arabia. Mm -hmm. These are not small countries. These are huge, vitally important countries. And by 2030, these BRICS nations will have a greater percentage of the global GDP than the West. They have committed to moving away from the dollar. They've started moving away from the dollar. Even France has started buying oil using the Chinese yuan. It's, this has been happening already in pieces, and it's supposed to be announced this month that the BRICS are going to create their own currency based on gold. So I'm saying this to say our global reserve currency status, we've already kind of hit the, the expiration date on that. We're now approaching you know, 58% and dropping in terms of being the global reserve currency. These BRICS nations are coordinated and committed to dropping the dollar. And something else that's important to understand, every fiat currency in human history has failed. It has a 0% success rate. A, a guy wrote a, a book called Dollar Days, and he analyzed 750 fiat currencies. He found they all fail. The average fiat currency only lasts 27 years. And when you look at why they fail, it's inflation, corruption, economic mismanagement, technological change, competition, all of the things that describe why, you know, Germany's currency failed after World War I or the Zimbabwe currency failed or the Roman currency failed going back that far where 
the silver coin, the denarius that the Romans used only had 0.5% silver in it by the end of the Roman Empire. If you look at those reasons, the United States is blinking and flashing red on all of the reasons that a fiat currency fails. So, so that's the important part to, to bring up is that the dollar's not safe. The dollar's failing and it's at the end. Then the next part of that is to look at, okay, well, what happens historically when a global reserve currency fails, another fiat currency will come in and take its place. We have something different going on now because we have the UN and Agenda 2030 and WF and all these other people. There is a movement towards creating a one world global CBDC. The IMF has announced the standard for it. And that happened while I was writing the book at the tail end of, of me writing the book. The WEF, Bank of International Settlements, UN, IMF and World Bank work together on coordinating policy documents. They work together on, on technology. Uh, I know you had mentioned something about, you know, Nigeria and their efforts. I was actually on a, on a Twitter space with some folks from Nigeria and the rollout was a disaster, but, but they, the, but the guy there said, said to me, he's like, why did we even roll this out? What, like, what, what, what caused the Nigerian government to think that Nigeria would be a good test case for a central bank digital currency from a technological perspective, from a demand perspective. And I said, the answer is, <laughs> It was the IMF and the World Bank that put that program in. It's the typical model of these globalist organizations, particularly with developing nations, is to come in and say, hey, here's the carrot. We're going to give you some of our of, of this fiat money that we've printed up out of thin air. And in exchange, you're basically going to give up your sovereignty and follow all of our gui- guidelines for development Correct. and economic policy. And that's that's what happened in Nigeria. That's what happened in other countries. So I started exploring that. So fiat's collapsing. CBDC is on the rise. And then I start looking at the rate of CBDC development. In 2020, there were 24 countries piloting CBDCs. This year, it's up to 120 countries piloting CBDCs. And by the end of this year, 24 countries and over 1 billion people on this planet will be using CBDCs. So this isn't a Three years from now, this isn't a oh we're crying the, the sky is falling and or, or you know fire in a crowded theater or anything like that. This is already being deployed all over right. the place. So then the next question becomes, and to me the scariest words in the English language are, "It could never happen in America." <laughs> I, I, I got to tell you, Aaron. So I did a Twitter space with Mario Narfall and his group, which is highly connected to cryptocurrency. And during that space, when I brought up bricks and I brought up the fact that that we were losing a a dollar devaluation, I got laughed at and made fun of by his audience, as well as him and the cryptocurrency community. So I'm going to ask you a question before you get into this next part. My question is, are there players that are active right now, possibly like Mario, that are actually promoting the central bank digital currency and they're a form of cryptocurrency because they know that it pays them in the end. Yes. There are people getting into cryptocurrency right now, knowing that they're going to make a mint off of everybody else staying asleep on this. They, well, they think they will make a mint, but yes, th- this has been kind of a frustration. So when I got into crypto in 2012, I've got to be honest, most of the people in at that point in time were more libertarian leaning and they were in it for ideological reasons. That you know, I know Roger Ver, who who was known as Bitcoin Jesus, who went on to found Bitcoin Cash. Uh, these are all people that would you know hang out at Free State Project events. Mm-hmm. Um, Eric Voorhees, some of the original people in crypto, doing some of the original original stuff. And, 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 and for, for for the listening audience, the reason why it was popular amongst Liberty was because it was supposed to be a coin that was not traceable, that could be cleaned. And you could purchase things without the government or without somebody knowing what you're purchasing. Is that correct? Is that a oversimplification? I wouldn't say it was so much that there's a real hardcore ideological component to this. And I, Ron okay. Paul had a really big influence. So there's a big belief in sound money. So this wasn't so much we're going to be doing illicit things and want untrackable money. This is more a an understanding that the dollar was going to collapse. A lot of us have known okay. that the dollar is going to collapse for right. a long time. And Ron Paul has been shouting about this yes, yes. For, uh, for a long time. And rather than a bumper sticker that says, and the Fed, participating in getting involved in Bitcoin is an actual way of, of doing it. It's a, an actual way of getting out of 
this fiat dog. Now, this isn't to say some people, you know, didn't get into it. Some people did get into it so that they could use it for illicit purposes. But the, the irony of this is Bitcoin is not anonymous. And in, in right. fact, it's a public ledger. So there was a confusion on the part of some people that didn't fully understand how this works and ended up getting caught because, in fact, all of their transactions were on a ledger shared by hundreds of thousands of people and a da shared database all over the world. So that, that was a confusion point for some people. But the uh, the OGs, as I'll call them, that, that got into crypto and the reason I got into crypto was for sound money and kind of seeing what was going on with with the dollar and really coming off, off of 2008 and that financial collapse. Um, when you see the first Bitcoin that was mined, the, the, the memo line said, you know, the, the chancellor on the brink of a German chancellor on the brink of a banking collapse, or I forget what the exact phrasing is, but making a note about the fact that the launch of Bitcoin was was there as an alternative to the failed central banking fiat model, which which clearly didn't work in 2008. And now we're still dealing with the aftermath and we're going to see an even bigger bubble as fiat collapses now. But I do want to go back to yeah, please do. where we are with CBDC. So 124 countries, 24 uh, countries will be live this year. But then the question is, okay, well, it, this won't happen in the United States. And you will see the chairman of the Federal Reserve and he'll go on TV and he'll say, well, you know, we, we haven't even decided if this is something that we're interested in looking sure. at. And what you find is there have been three pilot programs already mm. completed on central bank digital currencies in the United States. Um, there was Project Hamilton, Project Cedar, and this thing called Regulated Liability Network. Project Cedar is a CBDC that is designed to, actually Project Hamilton is a CBDC designed to replace the cash that we use in day-to-day -day transactions. So this would be a replacement for the dollar. And by the way, all three of these pilot programs involved the MIT lab, and the guy that was the center point from this is a guy who actually received funding from Jeffrey Epstein and Bill Gates and has oh, been to Epstein's island. This is this is not a conspiracy no, I know. theory. This is a fact. So the, the one unifying thing about all three of the pilots is the involvement of this same group out of MIT. But the pilot that they did for the consumer version of CBDC, you have to understand this, the traditional banking system right now can handle about 50 to 100,000 transactions per second. This CBDC pilot that they did can do 1.7 million transactions per second. So in other words, this CBDC pilot that they did could easily replace right. the dollar and the technology is sitting on the shelf. Uh, Project Cedar is a uh, CBDC for banks to do transactions with one another. Uh, for, for banks across the world to be able to transact uh, with one another. That successful pilot was completed. And this thing called regular, Regulated Liability Network, which was the most jargon-filled document I think I've ever seen in my life. But I read through it, and it has all of the big players in it, the Bank of International Settlements, MIT, large banks out of New York. This is the worst thing that I've ever seen because – not only do they want to control cash, they want to use this framework to basically be able to censor, monitor, and track the movement of your assets. So let me give you an idea of what that means. Imagine a future where you can only buy things with CBDC. So you go to the Apple store to buy an Apple computer. You use your CBDC. It's tracked. A digital token is assigned that's basically like a barcode that's a, that, that is attached to your computer. And now if, let's say you say something on Twitter or social media that the government doesn't like, not only can they shut down your bank account, they can shut down your asset, shut down your computer and make it so that you can't transfer the computer because in this regulated liability network, all transactions, all digital assets have to go through this centralized mechanism where one or more regulatory bodies are involved in approving every transaction. So this thing is, no one's talking about this, but it's actually next level dystopian surveillance. And so that pilot is underway. That started in the fourth quarter of last year. I don't know. There yeah, are being yeah. Yes. And so I, I have people that have anonymously come to me to speak to me uh, from the banking sector. And from what I understand, when they put this test in in December, and I talked about on my show, but I'm going to talk about it with you in case you haven't heard this, the major banks like Chase, Bank of America, um, Wells Fargo, they have already 
uh, duplicated what you have in your bank account with a digital code, digital currency, and there's two lines of script running on every transaction now in America. What I've been told is there is a digital currency that's getting transferred every time you hit an ATM, every time you make a purchase online, as well as your physical currency, which is moving from point A to point B as well. And they're starting the, the part of this test was to see if that is working well. And from what I understand, it's seamless. Every dollar is accounted for at this point in time uh, through the banking system. I'm not sure if you've heard that, but I have very reliable sources that have confirmed that to me. I, I have not heard that, but that, that doesn't surprise me. And this is, this is why my call to urgency on this. Uh, you mentioned FedNow. FedNow is really mm -hmm. the infrastructure that CBDC, the rails for CBDC, and it, it was rolled out in July. And so, I mean, we could get one emergency, one cyber attack or whatever, and over a weekend, this could be rolled out. So what you're saying makes sense, which is why I'm calling for what I'm calling for, which is a, a bank run or this fiat exit, because we don't have time to stop. The more time goes on, the more infrastructure they're going to have in place, the more they're going to have things tested and, and the easier it's going to be for them to just kind of roll this out overnight. We are really, uh, this is an existential threat. So, so let's get into it. So fix it. That's what you've branded this, right? F-I-X-I-T, which is ending fiat uh, usage, uh, doing a bank run now. Can you take my listeners through the steps? And well, first, before we get that, why would this work? How, what's the percentage of Americans, if they're listening to the show, what percentage of Americans would need to do this to have an impact on what's coming? So my, my belief is, is 3%, and I'll kind of walk through this. So I mentioned that fiat is on its last legs, but we, I want to talk a little bit about truly how bad this is to put it in perspective. The dollar used to be backed by gold. It used to be $20.67 for one ounce, then FDR changed it to $35 an ounce, then Nixon abandoned the gold standard. And then in 1992, banks were required to hold 10% of customer deposits in reserves. So your audience is probably aware of this, but we have fractional reserve banking. And so banks are not required to keep 100% of the deposits in the bank at all time. In fact, they make money lending out based on this smaller amount. And so, so historically, they've only held about 10% of customer deposits in reserve. When COVID hit, they removed the reserve requirement. So your bank essentially may have almost no cash. In fact, I've seen a number of examples on Twitter where people are like, I went in to get $10,000 and I, they told me I had to set up an appointment three days out. Yep. Um, they didn't have that much cash on hand. Um, so we're talking about a situation here where the banks aren't just sitting on cash, like physical cash anyway. What they're doing is they're, they've lent that money out. And so they're expecting the payments to come in. Well, what do banks hold? They hold commercial real estate, residential real estate, student loans, car loans, you know, consumer debt, business debt, all of these asset classes that are bubbles. Then on top of that, they went out and a lot of these banks were holding long-term treasuries. And when the Federal Reserve came in and hiked interest rates, they found themselves in a situation where customers were coming to the bank wanting to get their deposits out. They were having to sell their longer term treasuries at a loss to be able to, to make good on customer deposits that created a run on the bank. And that's why you saw a lot of the collapse earlier this year with Silicon Valley Bank, Republic Bank, uh, Signature Bank, and, and, and others. And so what I'm estimating at this point, based on the spiral is of, of the, the low reserves and the fact that what the banks are holding is all basically trash that it, people are starting to default on, is if 3% move their money out of the dollar and into self-custody alternatives like gold, silver, or crypto, that that would actually halt the banking system. And... I, I called it the bank run manifesto. In fact, I have it. It's my pinned tweet. It's up to 1.1 million views. And I've been pushing this pretty hard, but I rebranded it to fix it or fiat exit. Because when I say bank run, people get this image of like the 1930s where it's like it's some black and white picture, a bunch of people stand, irate customers standing outside of a bank with a bag trying to get their cash out of the bank so that they can stuff the cash in the mattress. That is that what that visual tells you is that's a run on a single bank where the idea is that the problem is 
with a specific bank, but not the dollar itself. But what I'm saying is it's not about any one bank. It's all of the banks, but more importantly, it's the dollar itself and the central banking system itself. So rather than a bank run being visualized as everybody all at once pulling their cash out of the bank, think about it as this doesn't even have to be done at once. I, I, I launched this thing uh, at the end of March. This is a slow bleed. Go and buy $200 worth of gold today. Go buy $200 worth of crypto next week, $100 worth of silver the week after that. This is a, because if you did it on one day, they'd shut it down, but they can't stop customers from spending their money a little bit at a time on alternatives to the dollar, right? That's something that's, well, they could try and we may get to that point, but that is that is something that's much more difficult. You would see irate, irate people if all of a sudden, oh, I couldn't buy gold, I couldn't buy silver. The crackdown on cryptos already happened. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, cu- I'm curious, Aaron, just to kind of push back on this, because I'm trying to think critically about what we're doing, because the first part, like I, I, I advertise on my show, our gold guy, um, and it's a family owned business where you can buy gold and silver and you go to my website and, you know, that, that's somebody who I'm, I'm linked with. So I, I definitely believe in these principles, but I'm curious your thoughts on this since you wrote the book. If 3% of society goes out and they start taking their money out of the banks and the banks go pretty much belly up worse than what we're seeing already because they don't have the cash to support their legacy customers that aren't part of the, the, the 97%. What's to keep that as the um, impetus of bringing in central bank digital currency? They're, they're, they're bring, so I, I, fl- I get this question a lot and I flip it back the other okay. way. We know they have the intent for central bank digital currency. They've done the pilots. They've built the infrastructure. And so President it's about Biden protecting and, yourself. And President Biden has signed yeah. executive order 14067. They have the intent to implement this. They're going to do it anyway. So the question is, what the only thing that we have at our advantage is speed. And, uh, you know, this is kind of like revolutionary war tactics. Like we, we need to be kind of nimble here and pick around the edges because if we play their game, we're going to lose. We have to like look on the fringes here to make a difference and a big impact. And by the way, you know, people will say to me, well, you think this is some kind of utopia. This is not a utopia. This is not, I'm not projecting a situation here where if we do this, things are great. What I'm saying is if we do nothing, the default situation by 2030 is a one world form of government with a digital currency and a tracking social credit tracking system where all of our behavior is managed and tracked centrally. And essentially we've given up our free will. That is the default because again, 35,000 people, $60 billion a year is being spent on this. Plus the WEF companies. This has been something, the agenda 2030 started in 2015. It actually started in 1974, but the specific agenda 2030 uh, strategic development goals started in 2015, they're halfway through the implementation process. So we don't have, we have to stop it. They, they weren't implemented by then, not started by then, and they're already halfway through. So that's the default. And I think this is a big okay. point to communicate. A lot of people want things to go back to the way that they were. That's not on the table. What's on the table by default yeah. is a global technocracy. So this is something that halts the global technocracy. This isn't the then what do we do next is a question that I, as an individual, am not qualified to answer. I, in, you know, in my opinion, I think we're going to have to go back to the drawing board and start from first principles. I mean, if we really, if we're honest about it and we look at where America is, the constitution's essentially gone. Oh, yeah. The deep state's taken over. So, so I'm not here to say I've got the single answer. I, I'm here to say, you know, the Titanic is sinking. We need to stop. And we, you know, this is, we're at the lifeboat stage and then we move on to a, wow. a, what do we build next? But at least we'll have free will and we'll have control and a stake in determining what's next instead of the great reset, which is the default. Aaron, do you listen to my show at all? Have you ever listened? Only a couple times. Okay. You just blew me away with your, your, your words there because my, my hair on my arms just started standing up. Literally. Um, you just quoted Michael Bednark who on my show in his final interview, he said to me before the interview, he goes, here's what I want to do, Greg. I want to tell people the Titanic is sinking and I want to tell people how we got there and how there was no saving the Titanic and there's no saving our country. 
in his final interview, he used that allegory. So when you just said that, I was like, wow, the, uh, the, the, the flames of Liberty are definitely ignited right now because I spent a whole week last week talking about how um, the constitution's gone that, you know, we've, we got sold out a long time ago. We've entered into contracts that many people have no idea they ever entered into. And as a result, we're in a communist society. And once people wake up and they understand that, then they can start to figure out how do you become a sovereign citizen again? How do you reclaim some liberty? But in a technocratic society, that liberty is getting uh, taken away from even more so. It's putting us down a rabbit hole, so to speak. And so my, my fears are this. I had this guy, the uneducated economist, Simon. He was on my show about a year ago, too. And he said to me, I can tell you how they're going to roll out central bank digital currency. First, they're going to push interest rates through the roof for cash, which we've seen, right? It's now on a uh, you know $500,000 home. It's costing you about $600 more a month in order to borrow money over 30 years, $180,000, somewhere around there. Um, and he said, so when central bank digital currency comes in, what I expect is that they'll give you negative interest rates to convert your cash and assets in order to get you to come into the central bank digital currency system because they'll go, look how great this is. You're getting negative money. You're getting money back. And so my question is, if I go and say I use Ira, our gold guy, my, my guy that I, I use on the show, Say I go to him and I say, Ira, you know, here's $25,000, buy up some gold. What's the keep central bank digital currency from saying, we'll buy your gold above market price in order to get you into the system and then make gold really not valuable whatsoever because they start holding all. I mean, is, are we in a, a losing battle? I mean, I, I love what you're doing. I love the awareness, but I'm very pessimistic about this. Like, I feel like the, the, the shit storm's coming and there's no way out. Well, I, will most people take the CBDC? I, I think the answer is yes, it's good. I, but most movements, even the United States itself, happened because of 3%. Movements don't happen because of 50% plus one. That's never how, how all of this works. And so, so what, what I'm trying to do is recruit that 3% and the 3% of people that are willing to take a look at this and say, you know what, I'm going to trade, I'm going to buy and sell things using gold, using silver, using crypto directly. It's not an investment vehicle that is to be converted into, into fiat currency. And so I suspect the kinds of people that buy gold and the kinds of people that buy crypto, some of them, and hopefully more, if they read my book and we get some momentum on this, are, right. are doing it. They're in it for the understanding that this is about free will versus determinism. This is about love versus fear. This is about abundance versus scarcity. This is about decentralization versus centralization. That is what's at stake here, not short-term return on exchanging something for a digital form of, of currency. So certainly that case has to be made. And sure. I, 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 I'm not saying the odds here are great. You know, I'll, I'll say one thing. I, I spoke at that Humanity for Peace event, which was a great event in New York City and a lot of diverse groups. I mean, you had libertarians, Republicans, Democrats, communists. It was a, it was a, a unified message against nuclear war and against what's going on with, in Ukraine and, and, and with foreign policy. But it wasn't nearly as well attended as the free PlayStation 5 giveaway <laughs> the day yeah. previous, right? That right. caused, there was a riot for a PlayStation 5 giveaway. And, you know, we had a, a decent turnout, but it was nothing like the turnout during the middle of the workday for a free PlayStation. And that gives me pause, right? I would think that more people would be concerned about how close we are to the brink of nuclear war. To me, that would be a, a pre and I think most people are unaware of exactly how close we are to that. So I'm not saying, again, this is a high probability, but the reason that I'm doing this is I, I think it's that important that even if the probability is 1% of success or even 0.1% of success, we know what the alternative is. Right. So if the alternative is one world government and tyranny, then whatever the odds, we should do everything we can to shift the odds and to make something like what I'm talking about more successful. The reason I picked this strategy and, and kind of my background in politics is I tend to do I tend to do some out of the box stuff. And one of the things that I've learned is you don't play rigged games. You right. change the game. You find an approach that requires 
just moving the needle a little bit instead of having to get the majority of the people behind to be successful. So I think the odds of getting 3% of people to exchange fiat currency for alternatives is higher than getting 50% plus one and changing the uniparty in Congress and getting the courts to all of a sudden not become politicized and for the deep state to reform itself, because that's essentially what the other path is. And that other path is really, if you look at look at it, is unwinnable based on yeah. the structure. It, it, and don't take my pushback of questions as me not supporting what you're doing, because I, I actually am having you on the show because reading your tweets, I 100% agree with and support what you're doing. I'm asking the questions because I like to ask the questions that my audience would possibly think of uh, to try to get your answers and try to find things. But I, I think, you know, for my audience, what Aaron's doing is admirable. It's a, a statesman uh, in many ways approach at trying to upend something that's coming, whether you like it or not, in order to give you a fighting chance in the future. And something that I I'm taking the heart myself and trying to make preparations for with my own family and my own finances. Uh, I've been on this train since last December, and I felt like I was late to the party by the time I got on it. I'm going to ask one final question because you mentioned gold and silver and you know the, the precious metals backed commodities. Some people may not be as familiar with how to get into uh, a cryptocurrency market. And I don't want you to answer that question necessarily. I want you to answer this one. How, what cryptocurrency is one that is not being touched by the federal government in a way that people would have to worry about asset forfeiture in the future? Is there any safe crypto coin that people can look into as they start to make this? What, what would you uh, offer as advice? So my general advice, and this applies to crypto, gold, and silver, is it's the importance of self-custody. And I'm actually going to bring up gold as an example because FDR confiscated gold in 1933. And 75% of the gold, as is estimated, was actually confiscated. But the gold that was confiscated was gold that people were holding in third-party vaults or in bank safety deposit boxes. The, the government was not going door-to-door -door collecting people's gold. So this is how 25% of the people still held on to their gold. And obviously, if you look at the price of gold now versus the $35, that, that was to your example of they'll offer you a discount on your gold for CBDC. Well, you know, you would have been better off holding your gold even with the confiscation because that exact model has been tried. Cryptocurrency is a similar situation. There are 20,000 or so cryptocurrencies. There are only six or seven in the book that I, I recommend as being viable alternatives for money. I'm, I believe in the free markets and cryptocurrencies have a wide variety of use cases and blockchains can be used for things other than money. But for the, for the use case of being a store of value that can be used for money, there are only six or seven. And what you have to look for is they have to be uh, basically a, like Bitcoin or kind of a fork of Bitcoin where it's something that doesn't have a corporate entity, doesn't have a centralized organization behind it, and, and uses what's called proof of work. So the, the way proof mm -hmm. of work works is new coins are created by computers competing to solve complicated math problems. And the first computer that solves that complicated math problem adds the transactions to the, what's called the blockchain. So the blockchain is basically just a ledger that has all of the transactions that have been done using that blockchain. This proof of work method is completely decentralized. So you have computers all over the world competing to solve these math puzzles. So there's no corporate entity to be shut down. There's no, and unlike coins like Ethereum or, or others where they don't use proof of work, they're centralized. And what determines what goes into the ledger is, is kind of like how stock works is that based on the number of coins that you have that you stake that determines kind of the probability of you being the one adding. That is a centralized model that can be shut down by the government. The government can sue and go after people that are, are centrally controlling these transactions and Ethereum transactions have been reversed. So you're looking at something that is like Bitcoin or a fork of Bitcoin. So I, I recommend Bitcoin, Bitcoin Cash, Ravencoin, Bitcoin SV, um, and then uh, Litecoin. And then there are, there are two others that are privacy coins, uh, uh, Zcash and, and Monero. I, you might want to have a little bit of those. Those are actually completely untraceable. As we talked about <clears throat> earlier, I don't know if we talked about this here before the show started, but, but there are a lot of people that 
thought Bitcoin was anonymous and it, and it's not all of this stuff is stored on on the ledger uh, that that is distributed to all of these computers that are solving these math problems. In the case of of Monero and Zcash, that's that's not the case. That and actually, it's an anonymous uh, form of money that's not traceable. Uh, again, I have a little bit of that, but I, I predominantly focus on on the other the other. And I'm not saying this as a you know again make money thing. I I, I don't know how it's going to shift out. And one thing that's important to note, I said early on, the existing financial system does fifty thousand to hundred thousand transactions per second. The CBDC that they tested in the United States does 1.7 million transactions. China is rolling out a CBDC to a billion people this year. So clearly, they have built a capacity for these CBDCs, but these CBDCs do not have the same attributes that Bitcoin has in terms of being decentralized, in terms of being permissionless, in terms of being censorship resistant. That's what makes decentralized cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin important, and it's what makes CBDCs a tool of absolute tyranny. And so the problem is Bitcoin only does seven transactions per second. And so when you, I have a table in my book that this is why I'm not giving you one coin. Right. I'm giving you a list of coins. And then I'm showing you a table in the book that combine the seven cryptos that I outlined can do a little over 50,000 transactions per second. Now, keep in mind, these coins can increase the size of the blocks. So there is the capacity to expand the size. There's just been a lot of internal drama and politics around the best way of doing this. But, but Bitcoin and these coins that are built off of Bitcoin have the capacity to scale and to be able to handle the same level of transactions as the traditional financial system. Wow. Now, one more thing related yeah. to that. Um, if you're going to use an exchange, you're probably going to have to use an exchange to get this, buy it on the exchange, and then get it off of the exchange as quickly as you possibly can into a wallet in your own possession. So just as I talked about with gold, you have to have it in your own custody. Now, what this means is if you lose it, uh, there's no one to bail you out. You truly are responsible for your own money. But at the same time, um, the government can't just come in and immediately confiscate it if you've got it in, in, in your own wallet. And then there are levels of security and things that you can do to split your transactions and get really sophisticated with it. I'm not going to talk about that here, but as a first step, but I outline this in my book too. I, I outline, I give a, let's say you're, I wrote this book for people just starting out to say, how do I start? And there's a whole chapter on, here's what you do to buy crypto. Here's a wallet that you can use Perfect. that for your own self-custody to have multiple coins in your own wallet. I go through and create the easiest to use experience because I've been living dedicated solely off of crypto since 2019. So I, I have tried and used probably every permutation that's out there. And so I, what I, what I put out there is something that I've used and that I, is the quickest path to onboard people because I have onboarded hundreds of people to crypto in the last 10 years. And I would say half of them did not heed my advice, left their crypto on exchanges and lost some or all of their crypto. And if you follow me on Twitter, you will see, I, I will say, get all of your coins. I'll say two things, get all of your coins off of exchanges and get all of your money out of the bank. The money that you have in your bank account does not belong to you. Banks, people don't read the terms of service on Microsoft Office on their operating system, and they don't read the terms of service on your bank account. I, I encourage you to look at mm -hmm. it. You don't own that money. They can shut off the account for no reason. They do not need cause. This is going on in the UK right now. I'm talking to two interesting people about this whole fiat exit concept, Kanye West and Nigel Farage. Kanye West, they shut him out of $140 million of his bank accounts at J.P. Morgan Chase because of his political speech. Nigel Farage lost a banking relationship that he had for since the 1980s and then couldn't get a bank account at nine other banks because of political speech. So this is happening now. So the money in your account isn't safe and it's not yours. And the crypto you keep on exchanges, also not safe and not yours. Self-custody all the way. Well... Uh, to my bold Americans uh, talking to Aaron today may have you feeling a bit overwhelmed, a bit lost uh, in all of this. Uh, but hopefully, uh, I think from the conversation, if you've been following my shows and now following what Aaron has laid out, you understand maybe an action plan. And the good news is uh, what Aaron just outlined is all in the book. The final countdown it is available on Amazon and everywhere you buy books. Aaron, is there a place where you prefer people 
go to purchase the book? I mean, it's on, it's on Amazon. You can go to day2024.com. That's my campaign site. And there's a link there to where you can go to buy the book. Okay. You can also learn more about the campaign and other, other things as well. Yep. And I was going to promote that too. So day2024.com is the campaign website for Aaron Day, where you can learn more about him on the issues and the things that are important to him. But you'll notice that this is the most important issue in his campaign. And I believe it's likely the most important issue that's going on in the world. And you're all distracted by Maui fires and everything else uh, and disinformation that's out there that keep you not being focused. You can also follow Aaron on Twitter at Aaron R day. Uh, So I'd like my listeners to give him a follow as well. So that way you can learn a little bit more about cryptocurrency. You can learn more about the bank run. He wrote a bank run manifesto on there as well. Uh, So you can become a little bit more educated uh, on this topic. But uh, Aaron, this has been phenomenal. Uh, We're going to do this again because this story is far from over. And uh, I, I would like to make sure you're continuing to come back to educate people on this as you learn more that way, it's not just me. Uh, I have somebody that's doing the research and a little bit more intimately tied to this than me. Who's trying to cover 101 topics every single day. Uh, so if you'd agree to do that, I'd be appreciative. And I'm sure my listeners would too. I'd love to come back. And in fact, I'm working on something that I'll be launching in the next month or two to accelerate this and make this more of an activism project that we can all collaborate on together. So I, I look forward to sharing that to make this, crystallize a little bit better for everyone. Awesome. And I noticed you have a shirt on right now. Now you're listening to audio, so you can't see it, but it says bank run now. Um, Can you get those shirts as well? Well, so I was going to print these up. No, I've got to change it to say, fix it now. Um, So not, so not yet. I've got to, got to redo the shirts, but it says bank run now, halt CBDC, stop world war three and the fed. That's, that's my, that's my punchline. That's one thing. This one fiat exit, this bank run, accomplishes those three things. It defunds the military industrial complex. It ends the fed and it halts CBDC. So this is, we rally around this instead of going from, like you say, Maui fire to what's going on in schools to, you know, whatever the polarity manufactured polarity contest of the day is, if we can just remain focused on this. And when you follow me, you will see, I do remain on message on this. This is the, yes, I drill this every day. Yes, you do. And that's what it uh, kind of got me back paying attention to after we spoke two weeks ago. I started looking at your Twitter feeds and I was like, oh, I got to get you on the show. We got, we got to talk about this. So I appreciate you saying yes. I wish you well in getting the word out to, to more people. Hopefully this show here going out to 100,000 plus people on America Out Loud Network. Uh, people will start sharing this as well. Let's get this out, not to 100,000. Let's get this out to a million because uh, start sharing this, not because it's my show. Share it because of the message that Aaron is putting out there. Um, if, if you'd share one show of mine this year, I think this is one of the most important ones. So make sure that you guys are putting that out and that will help honor uh, the work that Aaron's doing. Aaron, thank you for being my guest today. Thank you for having me. All right, everybody. We hope that we honored your time. Well, I'll be back tomorrow with the one, the only Laurie Elizabeth. Everybody loves Laurie. These shows are so great talking about our uh, soul and the oversoul. And it's a little bit more um, of kind of a, meditation type relaxation, as well as talking about the esoteric and metaphysical world around us. So we'll have her on the show and talk about some new topics that we haven't covered before. You've all been listening to America Emboldened with Greg Bolden, my special guest, Aaron Day. Don't forget, day2024.com here on the America Out Loud Network. Be bold, America. (laughs) 